hello everybody welcome back my name is matt and i'm here with pastor jamal yo pastor todd good morning and pastor bonnie hey guys welcome so glad, back uh that you're joining us pastor bonnie thanks yeah. nice. Ooh, getting fancy over here yeah i feel better about this <laughs> uh so um you can't see because if you're listening but we had to move we're in the sanctuary recording right now we had a problem with uh, the board that we normally use. So that's where we're at. It's a little bit different this week. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, you like to think about it as like a production upgrade. That's, what, that's right. what it yeah. is. Yeah, sure. We're Actually, shout out to Jeff Morse because yesterday he gave me this whole walkthrough of everything in the back there so okay. that's actually nice. how i knew how to do this oh, there you go it's because of yesterday so there you go nice. yeah i like to not know because then they can't ask me to do it right <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say now now that you're on the hook for things now now oh pastor matt knows how to run things uh, that's tough mm. <laughs> he just thought about that right now he was like ah, it's kind of true i mean yeah i may forget so. <laughs> there you go there you go you guys suddenly forgot how to do all of this stuff Right, so Pastor Jeff opened with uh, that show Romper Room. Mm -hmm. uh, did you guys know about that? Have you ever heard of that? Watch that at any point? Yes, I did. Uh, I did yeah, not. Yeah. I, I have seen Romper Room. wasn't my favorite, but Romper Room. I was talking with Steph about this, and her favorite used to be Magic Garden, where they'd sing like the hello song. Hello, hello. Yeah. And I don't know the rest of it, but mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, wasn't my favorite. Nah, that was. I don't think that was my era. I or I, I might have missed that, but. Um, Eureka's Castle, yes. You know, um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, like the, you know, like those were probably like the ones that I grew up on. So, yeah, okay. My favorite kids show was probably Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, all-time favorite. Mm. He, he, he's a goat. He just, you know, looked through that screen and made a connection and. Yeah, that all right. That's I love true. Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I still love him. There it is. It really wasn't your generation because I just looked it up. It was 1953 oh, yeah, is roughly then. when Romper Room started. Yeah, I missed really? that. Yeah. Because I remember seeing um, reruns of it. You know, like I remember watching it, but I think probably re in rerun form it must yeah. have been. Yeah, because it, it had gone syndicated, and so there was lots of reruns. But yeah. um, I think the clip he showed was from like the 80s. I think that's when she was on there. Oh, so. okay. Well, good. Okay. I mean, I, I must have missed that one. Wait, then. was that Louise? The one he showed, because yes. that's who he remembered. There was this whole argument between him and Hope in the office this week. Who, uh, who they it was? He remembered it was Louise, and she checked the Wikipedia article. It wasn't. So it's was this whole thing. No, but it turns out she was. It was her for the New York area. No, so you know what? Jeff oh, did remember okay. correctly. That's okay. real because which I would always believe. No, so. that's real. No, <laughs> that's a real thing because right now my youngest is into Blues Clues, but oh yeah, no, but. The guy who's there is not Steve, and it's not even his cousin who replaced him. It's another yes. guy. He's oh. Filipino, which is super dope. But like, it's it is a little weird because like now he gets the little notebook and he's like, "Cool, let's put it on our, you know, let's check our phone." I was like, "Hold up, Steve never had a phone." Where's I'm like, the handy dandy notebook? Yeah, I was like, "Yo, these are like this is missing some things." But like for her, it's like she's like, "Yeah, put it in our tablet." And I'm like. Nah, man, this ain't Blue's Clues. What, <laughs> yeah. This is a farce. You know, that's how you feel. Yes. Wow. So I can understand why they would disagree about that because they probably, yeah, remember it differently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's weird. So, but Blue's Clues is still a thing. So, mm -hmm. at least Blue's for now. Clues. Mm. All right, cool. So, um, <laughs> Pastor Jeff continued this series that we're doing called Anonymous. And this week was that. Um, Anonymous week three was behind every name is a story. And it was pretty cool what he did. <clears throat> he looked at a list 
of names in Romans 16, and I think most of the time when you see a list of names in the Bible, you generally skip it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what it means, or like I actually read them only because I'm afraid that like God sees me skipping them. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm like, I'm gonna fumble over these words, but, but at you least read I didn't them really skip quickly, it. and you kind of try to get to the end quick. I'm just trying to mm-hmm. try to. Pastor mm-hmm. Jamal, you are free from the law, man. That's yeah. what, right. Can, That's what, come on, speak to my heart, speak to my soul. There Let is it, grace, man. Come on, man. Let I me mean, know. you know, it is good, especially in the Old Testament or like genealogies. It's very important. That's how we know information. So mm-hmm. scholars yeah. can do, take that yeah. for us, you know, which yeah, is man. nice. But they can. That's how we know the history of things. So that's why those names are important. But this list was different because it wasn't genealogies. There were people who were important to Paul. And again, it's tough because I think you need to know. Um, you have to do outside research, I think, in some ways to know. Maybe if you have a Bible with study notes, that can be really helpful. But um, otherwise, you wouldn't know. Mm. But so Pastor Jeff broke it down, and it's a list of over 25 names of people that were close to Paul. And he talked about they were people who were serving in the Roman church uh, or were part of that because the letter was to the book of Romans, uh, sorry, to the church in Rome. And so he said this, though, the purpose of Romans is that the church would be united. And the reason was because it was Jewish and Gentile believers, uh, non-Jewish believers in Jesus. Uh, The Jewish people were expelled from Rome for about five years by Emperor Claudius. They were brought back, and now the church was changed. It was divided. It was different. And so Romans, he's, it's this huge theological work, but then he's trying to make sure that the church is united. Hey, you're together. And so I kind of thought while he was saying that, like, what if Paul wrote a letter to a divided church today? What issues would he call out? Or what would he say? What would be his advice? What would be some of the solutions that he offers? What What would he kind of say to the church today? He would say all of this stuff. Um, he would say, get off of Facebook. He would say, uh, yes. <laughs> he would say, uh, you know, stop uh, deifying things that do not matter. Stop mm. making idols out of things that... Uh, do not deserve to be idolized. I think that um, he would address some of the things, I'm just going to say it, he would address some of the things that a lot of pastors are scared to address from their pulpit today, I think. If he were to really write a letter to the church, he'd be like, yo, why are you focused on these things? Um, In fact, I think in uh, Philippians, he makes an effort because there's two ladies arguing uh, about their time and their service to Paul. And so he's like, why are you guys arguing about this? He's like, why don't you guys be unified in this, that Jesus is Lord, period. And that's kind of where he he just drops that and just keeps on moving to the next thing in Philippians. Uh, I think he would do that with a lot of churches today, especially in American context and the things that uh, we seem to be divided over today. Yeah, that's a good point. I was at a family function and one of my family members, so some of them were Catholic, some of them were not Catholic, I guess Protestant. And it was an older person in my family, but they were just like, oh, yeah, you know, tell those Catholics how it is or whatever. And I'm like, wow, it's funny because, like, I don't, like, I feel like I don't think quite the same like that. But I'm like, yeah, isn't that true? We look at even denominational lines like mm. that. We're like, well, th- they believe that, though. Or, well, they do that. They, you know, they baptize this. They they, be- they pray to this. And so, so we're like, oh, we don't associate with them or we're not like them. Mm-hmm. It's them versus us. Versus like what you're saying, Paul is saying, "Hey, how about Jesus is Lord?" Period. Yeah, yeah. But I do think he makes a, a point in some of his letters to also say, "Hey, look, uh, even though they say this, this is actually uh, a horrible practice." I think, like, mm-hmm. especially talking to about uh, false 
uh, again, going back to Philippians, but there are uh, false teachers who were saying, hey, listen, you need to be, you know, follow these uh these rituals in order to, to really be saved, right? You need to be circumcised in order to be saved. He's like, yeah. nah, like that's, nope, that's not true. And then you had an, the uh, other end of that spectrum, people saying, well, because of the grace uh, afforded to us in Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter what you do with your body and in this life, do whatever you want. And Paul is like, no, that's, that doesn't mean that either. So I think yeah. he would, I think he would find uh, some of those things. He would take a more of a unified approach to Jesus on the throne and the works of God through Jesus Christ. And I think that the things that some um, groups and denominations uh, elevate and idolize, he would be like, why are you doing this? This is no, there's no reason to do that. Let's yeah. bring it back down here. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think he would attack some of the things that some uh, groups really kind of love about their unique niche of Christianity. And I think that it would make a lot of people uncomfortable. I think people would be like, what? What do you mean? Like, I thought this was a big deal. He's like, sure, maybe it's a, a cool thing. It's a dope thing. Like, you know, I speak in tongues more than all of you. But guess what I think is more valuable than that? Yeah. Love. Like, and like, <laughs> yeah. I just think that he would, That's that would be his approach, I think, if he were to write a letter uh, today. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think, too, him being, you know, the first missionary, essentially, you know, he, I think he would really challenge the mindset of the church, a lot of, you know, churches now to become more internalized than outreach oriented. And mm -hmm. I think he would really challenge that no, mindset good. too. I agree. No, no, that's solid. That's yes. a big thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you think about Christianity back then and how being a Christian was public. Everybody knew that about you. And that's why they were persecuted, like, in their communities. And so if he came and saw, like, the bubble sometimes that we can have, right, right he'd be like, uh, does anybody yeah. know? What like, are you guys doing? Like, are you, are you just here gathering as believers? Are you, like, telling your community about it? Are you reaching out? Are you helping missionaries? Are you helping, you know, us that are on the field trying to do this work? Or are you just kind of in your own? Bubble. Yeah. yeah. Why are you fighting about what songs you're singing? Yes. Wow. There's people who aren't even in church to worship because they don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's rough. Yeah. I was going to ask if there are other issues besides like <laughs> denominational lines because, you know, some people think that way, but not everybody does. Like, no, yeah. Something else he would come at. Like, oh, yeah. So maybe the order that we do church, yeah, the type of songs we sing, if yeah. you feel a certain way about that, that Paul would say, ah. Uh, it's okay, how about we get over it? Like, it's too know. loud. It's too soft. Somebody was sitting in my chair. Somebody was... No, the carpet is blue. <laughs> you know, yeah. those things. That there was a weird smell so in the weird. sanctuary. It wasn't cold enough. It wasn't hot enough. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's good. The per the, Paul wants us to be united, mm -hmm. knowing that Jesus is Lord. And so um, then Pastor Jeff talked about, uh, he just, he talked about like, um, you know, we have like what we call like the fellowship hall here. So he's like, let's take a window into the fellowship hall at Rome. I was like, oh, okay. You know, their church, right. you know, who was important in their church. And then he lists these different people and you can listen to the message instead of focusing on all the different people. Uh, we got about halfway through the list. So, um, you know, something that I did think was interesting and wh whatever you guys want to share or uh, story you think of or whatever, but he mentioned this person's name. I'm going to try to say it. Epinetus. Epinetus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but that's somebody that Paul uh, mentioned, and that was Paul's first convert to Christ. And Pastor Jeff asked the question, who is the first person that you brought to Christ? And, you know, kind of got you thinking. Again, I think he's good at asking questions or saying a statement that you now fill in in yourself. So 
I don't know. Do you guys have that made you think of something, a time that you led someone to the Lord or something like that? Um, it was significant. Do you remember that? Or uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I remember the first person I led to the Lord. Um, ironically, I think I've shared this story already before on the podcast, um, but it was like in a gym class. It was with, oh, yes. yeah, 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 so yes. like, <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to rehash that. Um, nope. But yeah. yeah, that was the first person I actually kind of like walked through that kind of whole process and like prayed a prayer with them. And so, yeah, I remember that like as plain as day, man. I was like, wow, like this is like interesting to partner with the spirit of God in a moment like this. Um, and it was awesome. It was great. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember in, in high school, um, <clears throat> the sister of a friend who, um, I was in band with whatever I invited to come to church when we were doing a youth service at night and she had sat through the youth service and afterwards she had said she had never felt like that before. Wow. You know, and that was the opportunity that I used to talk with her and kind of explain, well, this is this is why, you know, this is why it feels different because it's it is different. It's it's not about us. You know, it's about I don't remember what words I used at the time, but I used that as kind of like that 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 connecting point to say, well, you know, it's because we love Jesus and and, you know, he's changed our lives and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I remember the first per se i know i i feel like i vaguely remember as a kid like talking about jesus a lot and telling my friends about the sinner's prayer and probably i'm sure i led a couple of them in it um but my clearest memory of somebody leading somebody in the gospel message from like in detail mm -hmm. was actually um, a roommate in college who I'm going to her wedding actually this weekend. Oh, wow. hey. um, but she, it was an in, 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 inadvertent kind of leading her to Christ because she was, she grew up in a Presbyterian church, you know, very formal, um, grew up never really hearing the gospel message that Jesus died for her sins yeah. um, that she can recall. And in, her, she was talking to a friend online, you know, shout out to you know, AOL, you know, Yo. <laughs> back in the day. Um, and she was talking to a friend, you know, from her hometown and he was, I guess, going through some difficulties. And so she was trying to help him. And so she was asking me, you know, how do I tell him, you know, that, that, you know, he should pray and that Jesus can help him and all this stuff. And I said, well, you kind of got to start at square one by, you know, realizing that, you know, Jesus died for our sins, that he, you know, died on the cross to to save us from those sins and to reunite us with himself. And then once you have that relationship with him, you know, then you can go forward in, you know, the blessings and the, the full life he has for you and, and in the healing and in the, re you know, restoration that he has for you. And so I was going through all those things with her. And as she's typing them, she's saying, she told me, she's like saying in her mind, why has nobody ever told me these things before? And wow. um, then she came to Bible club with me, you know, on campus and wow. accepted on, the man. Lord that week. Come so on. that was yeah. pretty wow. cool. Yeah. There it is right there. Yeah. Um, for me, I guess the first time, like, I prayed that prayer with somebody personally, it w I was young. I was in elementary school. But so, I mean, I don't really know if that person's still serving the Lord, but that was really important. I was like, you need to believe in Jesus. And like, mm -hmm. I was at yeah. my friend's house and I was like, he's like, well, we can pray right now. And like, uh, you know, 
But I think maybe when I was a little older, maybe the first time I prayed that, like that kind of had that kind of moment with somebody was on a mission trip in New York City when I was in high school. And this guy was like, he just came up to me. Like we were doing the whatever presentations, like the dramas and stuff. Mm -hmm. And a message and this guy was just like, he was um, Chinese, so he had broken English. But he was just like, "Uh, I want to believe. I'm like, oh, uh, like you want to believe in Jesus? You want to pray a prayer? He's like, uh, yeah, uh, whatever I need to do. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I like, mean, oh, oh, I was like, this come is on. okay. Hit, hit him. He, I was like, dude, let's pray right now. And like, that's that's kind of cool. No, that's yeah. dope. Um, yeah, that's but legit. It, it's cool, and it's important <clears throat> whether uh, maybe you're listening and you haven't led somebody to the Lord in that way, like um, explicitly. Oh, this is the gospel, and now let's pray it together. And now you know, maybe you can feel a little like, man, I've never done that. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's important to be thinking about just your witness for Christ, uh, you know, I think probably most of us in the circle yeah. can say there are times that we've done that, and it's so special when God does that. But a lot of times it's, like you were saying, your being fruit. vocal as you're just with your faith or, yeah, the fruit yeah. you were saying. Yeah. Um, and actually along that lines, uh, about a year or two ago, uh, one of the underclassmen from when I was in high school, like out of the blue, messaged me on Facebook and he's like, hey, I just want to thank you. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, remember when you were so vocal about your faith in high school? And, and now I'm going to church and wow. I'm leading a Royal Rangers group. And wow. I'm like, Royal Rangers. I don't remember being <laughs> that vocal with you about my faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's, it's, it's like, I guess the little things I said or just how he saw that I was at least trying to be different, mm-hmm. like stuck with him. And I had no clue. Yeah, and then uh-huh. and then out of the blue, here's that. So, even though you may be struggling to be like, well, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? You don't know how you're influencing people, and where yeah. right. again, the idea of uh, planting the seed, watering, and all those things. You don't know how, where that may come to fruition later. Yeah. So just understanding that your life is an influence. Not um, so. Yeah. Maybe you uh, you're not going to every day try to pray quote the sinner's prayer, but understanding that every day my life is an influence and that's what's important. Mm-hmm. But maybe still being open, like maybe sometimes it's okay for me to tell somebody like, hey, well, why don't we pray together right now? Or this is, I really believe that this can be true for you or, you know, however it makes sense. Right. Like having an intentional, in, yes. an, like an intentional approach to your influence. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Great way to put it. Being intentional about your influence. So, okay. And so part of the message um, that uh, Pastor Jeff brought attention to was a lot of people in this list that Paul um, is referring to. A lot of them are women, and um, you know, actually, Pastor Jamal and I were even talking about the idea: was Pastor Jeff really, really, really highlighting this, or actually, is it just the nature of bringing out this topic mm-hmm. feels like the weight of it all of a sudden is a big deal? Like, I just used the example of like Trump. You say the word Trump. And then people are like, what are you getting political? Like, actually, sure. I just said one word. I right. said, Trump is the president. Like, right. mm-hmm. I'm not getting political at all. But because of the weight of it, all of a sudden it feels bigger. So right. potentially, is that the case? So we talked about, you know, women in ministry serving and uh, Paul's view of that. He called some one of the women there an apostle, um, another one deacon. And so, you know, just I thought we could spend a few minutes. And that's why I'm really glad you're here, Pastor Bonnie. Yeah. Um, like... Uh, just about this topic, like when we talk about women being in ministry, kind of like what do we mean by that? Or um, why is this controversial? Like are there other viewpoints about this? Like just kind of put on the table, if you guys can put on the table for us, like 
some of those things, and we can talk about what the Bible says and how to understand it. I think, but when you say women in in ministry, I think that means women in a leadership role in the church. Okay. Um, yeah. In whatever capacity that is, um, you know, whether it be as a lay person, you know, maybe volunteering or directing or heading up a program, or you know, even a you know paid staff member or you know, in some, some you know head part of the church. So, you know, there's there's Sunday school teachers, there's, you know, deacons and um, elders and and you know, then there's, you know, the pastors and things that go along with that. So I think anytime you have a woman in a leadership role, um, it can be controversial because of the way that uh, gender roles, I think, can be viewed as, mm -hmm. you know, that especially, you know, in the society, you know, particular society we live in there, which is predominantly patriarchal, I would say, um, and that, you know, men should t be taking the lead, men should be, you know, having that leadership role um, and that authoritative position. Yeah, right, that um, authority, right, men are in authority, so women can serve maybe sure in the church but in those leadership positions that's where people some people can be uncomfortable have maybe have a problem with that authority have a problem with that yeah okay yeah i think the the question that we're trying to tackle is whether or not we truly believe in a fully inclusive uh way of ministry for women right like not just not just <clears throat> women in these roles that seem to fit their like you were saying gender roles and i think that comes also from complementarianism like thought like that's complementarianism is a kind of like a structure within Christianity that believes that men and women um, have specific roles designated to them based on gender but they complement each other and can come together and thus elevate um, the Bible elevate God and show who God is in the fullness of who he is in a full spectrum from you know both men and women together complementing each other that's like a a thing it's a wave within christianity yeah. um and there are a lot of people who believe in that and so they'll say you know yeah i believe women can do this that and a third but i believe that women are designed to do these specific roles and because they're designed to do these specific roles and men are designed to do these specific roles that the church is better when those parts stay in those spaces sure. and complement one another um, which is a tension. Some people don't believe that. Some people don't believe uh, in the idea of complementarianism. They say, well, why can't a man operate in this particular spectrum or in mm -hmm. this particular role? And why can't a woman operate in this particular uh, particular role? And so um, the reason why that's <clears throat> some of the reason why that's controversial. And then obviously some of the other reasons why it's controversial is because of things that are in scripture uh, and ultimately the way people interpret the way that those things are written uh, within scripture. So actually, even on that, you know, talking about women in leadership, but even the idea of gender roles or complementarianism, like I went through the reducing the risk training with you, Pastor Todd. And you were just bringing up briefly, like, yeah. you know, even you as a children's pastor, being a male, you need to you need to be mindful of certain things because a lot of people usually you think of of a woman figure with children. Sorry, if if I wasn't supposed to bring that up. No, 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 no. That's sorry. no, no, and it's true. Like as <laughs> mm -hmm. as a man working with kids, mm -hmm. I have a certain amount of alertness that a woman working with kids doesn't have to. Right. Like I have to be very 
careful. When a kid needs to go to the bathroom, I have to approach that need very differently than a woman approaches mm-hmm. helping out that little guy. Mm-hmm. Simply because I'm a man and because people have um, uh, uh, roles or preconceived things set in their mind about yeah. what men do, what men don't do, what women do, what don't do. So that's something that as a children's pastor I have to constantly be aware of. Okay. Uh, what am I doing that might creep somebody out that really is not an issue, mm-hmm. but because of the fact that I'm a man, you know, I'm it, it's looked at differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so. And so this is definitely a conversation that's happening live. Uh, maybe you're listening and you don't think it's just a big deal. Like, oh, Pastor Bonnie leads worship. This is great. Our church, you know, we've pa- got Pastor Bonnie women. also preaches. And pa- Pastor Bonnie preaches. So come yeah. on, somebody. Pastor, if you haven't heard Pastor Bonnie preach on a Sunday night, you need to come out. She's the best of us. Yes. <laughs> I I literally say it every time. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change. We I'm gonna all just. Have I'm gonna. Our own strength. I'm gonna anchor in that. Gifts. All right, that's cool, but. Pastor Bonnie is the best of us. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I just want to put it on wax. I mean, and you know, actually, a number of people have said, by the way, it is cool that all the different voices that are on staff at the church here, how everybody is so different, and yeah. the uh, you know, even in this forum, like it's cool to hear the perspectives that everybody brings. But yeah. um, you know, but maybe you're listening, uh, you're not aware that this is a problem, or maybe you like, yeah, you know, or maybe it can be tough. You're not sure where you land on that. But uh, recently. I guess maybe like two months ago now. It was in Christian circles. Um, uh, I guess um, a well-known pastor, John MacArthur, made some comments about um, somebody in particular, Beth Moore, Mm -hmm. who's, uh, I know we do some of her studies here too, some Mm -hmm. of the women Bible studies. But uh, he he strongly believes that women should not be in ministry, and he kind of uh, said that publicly, and a lot of people were going back and forth on it. So... The point is, it's live. Yeah. yeah. So it's a current, yeah, definitely a current tension right now. Um, I, I've seen some of my friends who have uh, gone as far as uh, getting shirts printed out, like you know, like okay. I support women preachers. Like it's gotten. Oh, oh to, I thought you went the other way. I was like, what? no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, no, those. Oh, all right, no, all right. I do have some friends who believe the opposite, but they have not been as bold to get like <laughs> to get t-shirts <laughs> printed out. If they do, I mean, that that's their thing. Whatever they want to do. But yes, I do. Um, I mean, and, and it has been a conversation. And I, one thing that I have been just personally trying to do in my own life is just try to like listen more uh and so i try to engage people who you know uh were on the other opposite you know on the opposite end end of the spectrum because i think that we uh i know that we as a fellow cooperative fellowship uh you know we support women in ministry we support women pastors we credential and ordain uh women pastors and so um i wanted to hear like why some of the uh some of my you know i guess peers would think differently about this or uh, have that perspective on it. And those conversations have been interesting. Um, they have been tough. And I think that um, I respectfully disagree, but like I took the time to just kind of like hear them out, just to kind of have a better understanding. Just Yeah. You know. So maybe, so let's take a couple minutes, however long uh, we want to take on this. Like um, why, why are there different views or really what, you know, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible show us? Um, why could you believe one thing or another thing? Why is there a controversy on it? Not just based off what we say, but from the Bible, what's the Bible tell us about this topic? Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> just my initial thoughts is actually the Bible. I feel like other than these couple lines by Paul, I don't feel like the scripture really like designates Women should be home cooking food and and be the wife. Men should be the breadwinner. 
I think sometimes a lot of those things flow from our cultural stereotypes of what a man is and what a woman is. And then we read those things back into scripture that maybe aren't necessarily there. And maybe as you guys, as we talk, you can come up with some examples of where I'm wrong. <laughs> but <clears throat> I don't ever remember reading in scripture where it says, hey, a woman should not be doing, you know, <clears throat> should not be working <laughs> or it should be, she should be home. She should be cooking. I think those are things that maybe we pull out of there sometimes, but I think a lot of times our cultural stereotypes influence that a lot. And I think for some people, um, they feel like those cultural stereotypes or cultural roles have always been. And so um, when we look at history, right, they would say, all right, uh, when it comes to headship, leadership, those roles belong to men and support roles belong to uh, women. And I think that, um, uh, like, right, so when, we, when you say, oh, here's these couple of spaces and, you know, a couple of um, uh, lines in the text of uh, what Paul is saying that may make us say, well, what's going on here? Uh, then you would have, I think, especially people within complementarianism who would say, but this is historically what we've seen in culture period, like from this time all the way up until about however many years ago, um, you know, women's rights, uh, women's suffrage, um, apologize that time escapes my brain right now, but I think people would, his, would the 20s, or, okay, cool, perfect. So I think, I think people would, would say, well, historically, this is what it's been. This is what we've understood. Um, and, and some people from that kind of realm would say, why would we now all of a sudden try to change that when we've seen that it does work well in this particular construct? Again, this is, I'm just speaking from that, what, what people have thrown out in that perspective. I'm not necessarily saying that. Like, and then when you read the Old Testament and you see like Deborah, who sure. was raised up to save her nation in a, in a very uh, strong, um, assertive way, um, you begin to see, well, maybe it wasn't really all that way throughout history. So just yeah, throw, yeah, it, yeah, out yeah, you throw yeah. it out. So throw it out. I'm thinking about this, you know, um, when you're studying the Bible, there's there are two terms, you know, and we've probably heard, maybe you've heard it in church or not, but uh, there's the term exegesis means to draw out. And so when we read the Bible, that's what we want to do. We want to draw out the meaning of the text. The opposite of that, the other term is called eisegesis, which means what am I reading into the text? Right. And so maybe uh, for many different topics, I already believe this because of my culture, because of my upbringing, because of American values. Right. This is, I have a belief on this topic. So when I read the Bible, I'm actually, it's, I'm doing eisegesis. When I read it, it makes sense to me. It reinforces what I already believe. I don't realize I do it. We all do it. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. so... We want to get to exegesis, like, oh, what is it really saying? Right. Right. Um, like and it's like tough. putting aside our presuppositions. Yes. Yeah. And reading it and researching it and then, okay, now how does that inform how I'm going to believe or how I'm going to think? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so, you know, we brought up there's some Old Testament examples. Deborah's a really big one. There's um, a couple other ones, Miriam, uh, um, Moses' sister some people in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament of women in ministry, and we talked about some of them. There's a few in the book of Acts. Um, and actually, I came across this, too, 
Junius in Romans 16, who's in that list, sh- should be translated Junia, I think, is what they were saying. Yeah. And um, that Junia's name was masculinized um, a few hundred years ago in Bible translation because of, like, biases. It's, like, kind of interesting. So now you Imagine can Imagine that. Somebody yeah. tried, decided to change something because they didn't like. No, let me stop. Could. Let me chill. I think it, I, th- I got to double check. I think it was the King James Version. So we're going back now. I don't like the way this, this feels, so I'm going to change it. Wait, actually, now, now I need to look it up. Let me just get it right. But I, it, don't I was like, like well, that's really interesting. Why would you make a woman an apostle? That's got to be a typo. Put an S at the end of that. We'll yeah. change it right now. Mm-hmm. So at so now in newer translations it will put a note there and it may put both names or say you know Praise the Lord. some translations but I'm come on that reveal it let the truth come out let the truth come out but so what are some of these uh, what are I think there's two passages in particular that um, it does seem controversial Paul is saying something what are those passages what do we think about them or how do we wrestle through those we're talking about exegesis even you know so. Yeah, sorry. So uh, one of the one of the passages of scripture that we kind of wrestle with this uh, kind of thought about is First uh, um, Timothy chapter two, verse uh, twelve, uh, where Paul is writing to Timothy, and I believe at this particular time Timothy is uh, pastoring the church in Ephesus. Paul has kind of left him uh, in charge there to kind of deal with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then uh, in in verse starting at verse eleven, he says, uh, "Let a woman learn quietly." with all submissiveness, I'm reading from the ESV, Uh, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And then he goes on to give a little bit of an explanation. He says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So that's kind of like where I have bumped into most people who are opposed to the idea of women in ministry this is the verse that they usually kind of throw up uh, or they kind of like say, hey, Paul said this to Timothy. Like, And for me personally, when I read that passage of scripture, there's something in there that makes me kind of say, uh, I'm not so sure that this is a, uh, what's the phrase we use, a normative? Normative, I I, I don't know that this is a normative uh, to be applied to scripture. I believe that this is something specific that's taking place because Paul says, uh, he says, uh, I, I don't permit. And I think in some version it says, I, Paul, do not permit uh, a woman uh, to, to speak or to have authority over a man. And I think that that's important because when it comes to things throughout Scripture and the letters that Paul writes, when he receives something from the Lord, he says it. He says, this I receive from the Lord, or, yeah. you know, take this and receive this as from the Lord. Like, he lets you know, hey, this is not, this is not my opinion here. This is coming straight from the Lord. And then there are times when he says, hey, listen, this is Paul. I, Paul, tell you this. Like he says, this is my, this is what I'm going to tell you. This yeah. is what I'm going to give you some direction and some, uh, some guidance here. And I think that that's important because for me, if Paul is giving something uh, as a suggestion to, to kind of like help bring structure to something that may be culturally taking place. I think we were talking a little bit off the mic, a little bit about some of the cultural things that are taking place. Um, I think Bonnie, Pastor Bonnie, you mentioned about <clears throat> in that Greek, uh, Gre- uh, Greco-Roman type like world about some of that uh, matriarchy kind right. of like influences there and how uh, sometimes women just kind of like, this is how they, they kind of function. That rule yeah right so they just kind of were like hey you know i just take leadership here and i, I step in here and so um 
that how that could have affected the way that uh, some of these things were kind of functioning culturally uh, where Paul was writing. And <clears throat> excuse me, I got like all kind of junk in my throat. Um, but how also inside of all of that, there were some issues taking place that Paul was like, yo, we need to correct some of these behaviors. And if some of these behaviors were coming from uh, some of these um, ideas or Greek philosophies that are not biblical, then Paul would have most likely said, yeah, we need to shut these people down because these are not biblical thoughts or these are not, you know, thoughts rooted in scripture. They're thoughts rooted in Greek philosophy and we're not following Greek philosophy. We're following the spirit of the Lord uh, and we're following uh, the word of God. And so for me personally, when it comes to that particular text, because that's the one that I've bumped up against a lot of times, um, the Timothy passage, I kind of read that and say, well, I think Paul may be offering his personal kind of like, I, Paul, do not permit, like, hey, i I wouldn't do this. And now I'm not negating. Now, this is where some of the tension comes, right? His reasoning behind it is rooted in the creation story. It's like, hey, all right. That's what I was going to bring up. I think people would say, look, he's going back to the beginning, right. Adam and Eve. And this is his thing. He's like, yo, I'm looking at this particular thing, and I'm saying because of this that took place, I wouldn't permit this to, you know, to, to happen. But again, it does still seem suggestive as opposed to, um, you know, I this is what I've received from the Lord. Yeah, so along those lines, like the words that come to mind is order versus chaos. Mm -hmm. So in a place where things maybe there's some issues, things are maybe um, struggling, maybe struggling for position, struggling for power, and he says, okay, to bring order and therefore unity within the church, here's how, here's how we see it's going to go based upon precedent in scripture, not because woman is less than, right? Not because we we are superior than, right? But simply because right now we're having an order issue, so let's bring it into order according to how we see God's creation having gone. And I think here, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a Paul route in this, right? I'm gonna say I, Pastor Jamal, I, Pastor Jamal, think that. The idea of a woman in ministry, like, I, I'm just, again, this is an eye passage, so this is all opinion-based, but the idea that we would s subvert a woman in ministry and say, well, the Bible says this, you know, like, um, uh, the, or Paul says this about this particular role, so therefore we shouldn't have a woman in ministry, we should have a man. I struggle with taking a gender role or excuse me a gender standard approach to who we appoint in the pulpit as opposed to a moral one mm -hmm. i struggle with that like if that's our first argument point to say well she's a woman so she's immediately disqualified well i i struggle with that because i believe that the first line should be hey are they, do they love the Lord? Are, what's their heart here? What's their moral position before God? Because there are plenty of, oh, let me, um, we have seen plenty of men take pulpits and their hearts not be right with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And if our standard is we chose them because they were the first man available, then I think we need to rethink maybe how we approach the pulpit and not from a gender lens, but from a moral lens of like, hey, you know what? Does this person love the Lord? Uh, is this person, you know, um, you know, tithing or is this person, you know, like doing these things that are biblical mandates to serve uh, at a leadership platform within the church? If 
if our first argument is, well, you know, what's their what's their chromosome pattern? Then I think we I think we missed the mark a little bit. Yeah, I mean, as assemblies of God, we put a lot of emphasis on calling, and really, that's what it comes down to first and foremost is who is called, what are they called to, mm. and when you study scripture and you look at passages like this that really you need to study the cultural context, you need to study the situational context, and a lot of times we either fail to look at those things or we forget about those pieces of context when we go to apply them to our lives today. Um, and in application sense, when you're looking at some of these passages, what is the bigger picture? I think the bigger picture here is, like Pastor Todd was saying, you know, order versus chaos in the church. And also, I think it's not just order versus chaos and, and, and keeping maintaining that order, but I, I really see it's this um, asserting, asserting self and ideals almost maybe among these women over just being submissive to the leadership that's already in place. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we think, well, okay, so, you know, you walk into a church or you walk into a situation where maybe, you know, a lot of men are in leadership and here, you know, you come as a woman in a place of leadership. And so immediately, you know, that gender dial turns on like mm. okay i've got to be you know on my a game i've got to be more than i am i've got to be you know x y and z this that and the other thing but you need to turn that dial off and backtrack and think okay no because that's having that dial on is going to get you might get you into trouble mm. in those areas and mm. may may help to support <laughs> what some of these scriptures are saying about, yeah, you know, yeah. creating chaos where there needs to be order rather than just submitting to the call on your life mm. and being faithful to what God wants to do with your life. Yeah. And I just want to say in your New Testament list, it's, she's not a leader per se, but we wouldn't have Jesus without Mary <laughs> responding in a positive way to the call to the call of come, God. Come on. Wow. See, I told y'all she's the best. Yes. <laughs> and now, and along those lines too, like just like to reaffirm what you're saying too, it's oftentimes my observation is in scripture observes people's behavior all over the place. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a val validity in observations. Women sometimes are much more sensitive to what the spirit's doing than men are. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, not that I'm trying to put down men, but I'm saying that there is an aspect of women that reflects the nature of God and who he is and characteristics of God that sometimes we miss out on because we're like, we want to categorize things into ways that make us comfortable. Mm -hmm. And we miss out that, hey, you know what? When God created Adam and Eve... Each one of them are stamped with the image of God, and each one of them reflect different characteristics of God that are characteristics of God. So if we try to eliminate 
the influence of women in leadership, we're in, we're in one way eliminating the influence of certain characteristics of God within our church. Yeah. Yeah, and well, I just wanted to say too, you know, ba- there's it's it's balance and it's right. yeah. that that order. Like there's things that like the logical side, like men are more logical, women, you know, overall women are more emotional, but men can also bring balance, you know, whereas maybe women sense the spirit, you know, initially more men come in and can bring balance and order to that, whereas, you know, women might get, and I'm saying this as a woman, too overly emotional, too too invested in their feelings and missing out on maybe some of the deeper, you know, thought um, and logical side of situation. Well, it's interesting, <coughs> you and I were talking on Sunday night about yeah. I was reading the Assemblies of God position paper, and then you mentioned you listened to a podcast that kind of said the same thing. Yeah. That a lot of times um, in spiritual revivals are, generally speaking, started uh, among women. But then as they become more organized and structured, they become more male-led. And the Assemblies of God they said is no exception to that, that there was a large group of women uh, in different pockets. I mean, you could study it. They listed some names, if you know some of the stories, whatever. It started with circles of women. Women were serving. Women were uh, serving in service, like in all these different ways. Um, and then as it becomes more organized, it becomes more male-dominated, which um, from what you're saying, Pastor Bonnie, isn't necessarily wrong, actually. It's, it's having the right balance. Right. right. But that there is a side to bring from both sides. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, well, and the big way of the assemblies of God as, you know, a church, you know, world uh, nationwide was spread, started with women evangelists going from city to city to city, you know, holding these tent revivals. And then um, other people would come in mostly if you read about, you know, read in the history, like because I'm reading a book now about women in ministry and a lot of, you know, the beginning times of the Assemblies of God. And a lot of times it was these women evangelists who would come into a town, establish a work, and then a male pastor would take over that church. Huh. And nine times out of ten, that was kind of the exchange that happened. Wow. So it's just really interesting, you know, to see how that worked. Mm-hmm. And if we want to go back to this idea of Paul taking examples from creation... You'll notice that in creation, at the beginning, God noticed that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. Mm. That he needed the influence of the feminine, the female, Mm. in order for him to be the best that he could be. So there is a lot of values the scripture puts on women that sometimes we don't always recognize. But, I mean, even to the point where how many times do we just easily overlook where God says there is no male or female in Christ? You know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. that we are, we are on the same page. We need each other, not that we dominate over the other. Sometimes there is a need for order that we can go, but it's not like, well, they're there. That's nice, but we can do this without women or whatever. You right, know? and well, and not to say that you know women create all the chaos either, because you know sometimes well, women no, bring order no, to. No, no, no. Sometimes, <laughs> it's, sometimes in, honestly, in the, it's male ego. Right in the, the issue. right in the case of the Corinthian church, that was just particularly what was happening. Um, yeah. And you know it happens nowadays too, but um, 
but yeah, I think I think just a lot of times what happens is because of cultural ideals, because of you know established gender roles in a society, um, women are held back, or maybe they don't either they're held back purposely or women hold themselves back because they don't feel that they can fulfill the roles that society is, expect, is expecting of them and the call of God on their lives at the same time. It, yeah. Like Sometimes it's just hard to see how that fits. Yeah. Well, you know, it is cool how you're bringing up like the call, right? So yeah. I wanted to say this. I did look up uh, the thing about Junia, but then after that, uh, this says something, but so Junia, Junia was identified as a by Paul as an apostle, Romans sixteen seven. Beginning in the thirteenth century, a number of scholars and translators uh, masculinized her name to Junius, apparently unwilling to admit that there was a female apostle. Mm. However, the name Junia is found more than two hundred and fifty times in Rome alone, mm. while the masculine form Junius is unknown in any Greco-Roman source. So Paul clearly was a strong advocate of women in ministry. But then here's the next paragraph. Talk about the call. Mm -hmm. These instances of women fulfilling leadership roles in the Bible should be taken as a divinely approved pattern, not as exceptions to divine decrees. Even a limited number of women with scripturally commended leadership roles affirm that God does indeed call women to spiritual leadership. So absolutely, it's about answering absolutely. the call. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, just something I wanted to add to um, talk about even the idea of exegesis here. The one other passage that people use is in First Corinthians, which we touched on, but about women should be silent in churches. He says they shouldn't right. speak. It's in First Corinthians 14, verse 34. And yes. um, but something I came across is that actually the Greek word that he uses there, sigato, um, that's the same word he uses in a couple verses earlier when he's again bringing order to chaos, like you've already touched on, Pastor Todd. He's saying, look, uh, please don't speak in tongues out loud in church services if you don't have an interpretation. Mm -hmm. The same word for speak, that's in verse 28. Then a couple verses later in verses 34, he's, he's like, oh, I wouldn't have a woman speak in church. So the idea going on there um, is different. And uh, I think this was the sentence that really summed it up. We read earlier, Pastor Jamal. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a reading of these passages kind of shows that that's, that's really not normative for Paul's ministry. Other passages show that such exclusion was not normative in Paul's ministry. Yeah. Right. right. So, <clears throat> right. He wasn't the type to, ex that, that was not the normal, normal function for Paul to exclude women in ministry. These instances seem to be exactly that. These isolated specific, specific instances, as opposed to the way he normally went about ministry and the way he normally operated in those spaces and in those places. Um, I do want to, I want to play a little devil's, devil's advocate if that's okay, <clears throat> because there's a couple things that I think, and this is where um, I feel like someone who was a again, just having conversations with some people who do kind of like run in those circles. I, I, I heard, I heard what they were saying. So I think that their approach to what we were, we are saying today would be, well, we as complementarians never devalue women at all yeah, okay we never devalue women in fact we highlight the necessity for women in the idea of complementarianism like we need 
both constructs in order to see the fullness of who God is. That's kind of where they would come from. So they wouldn't mm. say, they wouldn't say, you know Men what? And women aren't equal and that's why. Right, they wouldn't right. say that. They would say, no, I agree with what you're saying in the sense of the value that women add. We just believe that they add their greatest value in these functions and in these presets. Mm -hmm. So that would be kind of like their, I think their pushback to what we're saying and there's a, um, and then they would say, would I, get, I think some of what they would try to also kind of throw in there is, would you say that um, these two people, uh, you know, these two roles, men and women, in these two spaces, when they come together, would you not agree that you see the fullness of who God is when they operate within their roles? That's, I feel like, how they would push yeah, back a little bit. that's a good bit. point yeah, to bring up. And I would say yes, but then what do you do with the guy who doesn't fit the typical stereotype of guy is he does he no longer complete the full image of who God is because maybe he is not the overly masculine and masculine by what definition by whose right. definition and that's, and that's my and that's point and that's yeah. my point that's where we start to take our stereotypes based upon American culture yeah. and start to read it into scripture because in other cultures, it is, it is, and I know people are going to be weirded out by it, but you go to other countries and you can see men who walk down the street holding hands, and it's not because they're gay. It's because of their friendships, mm -hmm. because it's a different standard of culture. It's a different stereotype of men in that. And, and my whole point being is that we have to be careful that we don't write into what we've already determined masculinity looks like into scripture mm -hmm. as opposed to reading it for what it is because the definition of masculinity changes depending on where you're at and sometimes we have a very american view of what masculinity is that other countries would have a different definition of what masculinity is mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean they're wrong but we just have to be careful that we don't make that the gold standard right. and i think the same goes goes is true for women too not all women are really great caregivers, nurturers. Right. <laughs> Not all women are gifted in those, you know, gender-specific ideals yeah, that what you have when you would think about a woman. Yeah, feminine qualities or something. There's women that just roles. don't function well in those roles. And and that doesn't mean at, they're broken. Right, no. And so, uh, but, no, and no way. So right. they're, you know, like their husband or their, you know, whatever they, if they have if they're in a partnership you know they have children um you know if they're husband and wife and they have children and maybe the woman's not the nurturer but hopefully you know the man more is or or whatever you know it's 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 kind of just how god's gifted us and how we use those gifts i think and it's certainly oh what were you no no i was gonna say i i think that again as someone who isn't a complementarian thought would say okay well first off the bible they would believe, they would say, we believe the Bible does speak to what masculinity is. We do believe the Bible speaks to what feminine uh, femininity is. And if there is someone who operates outside of those things, then our mandate as believers would be to teach them to operate within those. Man, I'm just saying that this, again, I'm just giving you what... My question would be, what would be this scriptural definition of masculinity? Is it what we as Americans consider masculinity? Is it is it the same thing that we would consider as masculinity? Is it the same thing that we would consider as femininity? 
because again i think i think we make judgments about what masculinity and femininity is and then we read that into scripture right yeah i do think the bible does talk about some of those things but i think the way it talks about it is not the same way we talk about it or the way the same way we as americans interpret it well yes. i'm i'm looking for it. it's somewhere in here it totally says that women need to cover their hair in church that's also in there so mm-hmm. even for somebody yep. who's going to be saying well oh our definitions of masculinity and femininity come straight from the word that's we need to live by that most of these churches don't require women cover their hair. And so I think what I was going to say, Pastor Jamal, what you said earlier, I think it is a tension to be managed that there is an idea that men and women are created equal, but there's a, there are differences, strengths, well, and weaknesses, differences. they bring when we function in certain roles that can be healthy, but also this idea of, of not, um, of what we define maybe in right. our culture or our value system, um, well, the, oh, so you're a woman, so you can't do this. Mm-hmm. You're a man. You're not allowed to work with kids. Like, right, you know, right. that's where it becomes not healthy. So it's a tension because yeah. it's not easy to always define that. Yeah, and I think, so uh, we talked a little bit. I know we got, we're running out of time, but we talked a little bit about that Corinthian passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34, where Paul says, you know, like in all churches, you know, like, you know, I don't permit a woman to... Um, to have leadership over a man uh, as according to the law. He says there specifically in that Corinthian passage, he's talking about the law. And this, I think, is where some of that tension kind of comes into play is where um, I think when we say the law or when church people say the law, it's kind of like this lumping of all of these things and ideas uh, when it comes to the law. But as I've grown to have a better understanding of the law, the law is way more nuanced than just being lumped together and saying the law. Like you have, you know, um, ceremonial laws, you have sacrificial laws, you have all these different types of laws in regards to different things. And I think what Paul advocates for throughout his ministry as a normative is for us to adhere to the moral law. Mm -hmm. So maybe the question we need to ask ourselves is when it comes to people in ministry, women in ministry specifically, are we adhering to the moral understanding of the law? Are we adhering to the moral definitions and understandings of masculinity and femininity? Are we, uh, are we adhering to those things? Because if we are understanding it under the crux of the, there's a moral standard to be held, then I'm okay with kind of like moving a little bit forward into that uh, conversation. But if we're getting into the, oh, you're a woman, so you can't, you know, your hair, your head's supposed to be covered and, you know, um, this, that, and the third, then I think we're moving a little bit further away from the intent of the law to begin with. The intent mm-hmm. of the law is to reveal our hearts, right? Like reveal what's going on inside of us and our need and our necessity for Jesus Christ. But if our, um, if our advocacy for the law is so that we can have control over people, then I think, I think we're missing out on maybe how we are supposed to use the law. Right. And what's the, what's the bigger picture there with the head covering? I mean, the bigger picture there is not causing your fellow man to stumble or fa- falter. I mean, hair was a very sensual uh, thing in Old Testament time, or, you know, in... Um, Bible times and so you know the head covering is is understandable nowadays like women's hair doesn't affect yeah, you I don't yeah think. so, I, so I, I mean I don't know people's things so like I don't, I don't know. like whatever no, but like, it doesn't it, affect most people but I mean because in that pat I, 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 I'm so mad that I'm not finding it right now but yeah he talks about how men should cut their hair don't like grow it out and look uh different like like he's kind of saying that's what men should look like women hey why don't you cover your hair when you come to church like 
kind of look like a woman. That's what right. he's saying. Those are their those those are the cultural definitions at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. But kind of what you're saying, Pastor Vimal, like the moral idea of that is mm-hmm. like right. okay, so be appropriate, mm-hmm. right? Modest. Be appropriate. Be modest when you come into church. Order versus chaos. That idea. Mm-hmm. So right. again, not trying to push exactly our value system that we have, like our American value system that we're, we're um, drawing these hard, hard lines, but there is some level of like, yeah, well, look womanly, look, look manly, like, you know, don't, you know, there's something to that. Hey, come, come appropriate when you come to church. In that first Timothy passage, he says, women should dress modestly. Maybe, at the, yeah, suggest mm-hmm. that at the time. They were coming like, yo, what's up? Like, yeah, they were very much trying to draw like, attention to themselves. Yeah. And Paul right. is like, listen, th- we're, we've come here to seek the Lord. Yes. Right. You should not be the focus of this service. God is the focus of this service. Yeah. That was kind of like his whole. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think good way to wrap it up. Were you going to say something, Pastor Todd? No. Oh. Nope. Nope. Um, just kind of this discussion in Acts chapter 2, Peter in his sermon, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, he quotes Joel chapter 2 saying how God's Spirit will be poured out on all people, on men and on women equally, yeah. that there's no differentiation. And actually, that was Moses' prayer. He said he wished he could see the Spirit poured out in that way. And so when we're talking about men and women serving in ministry, the call of God on our life, we absolutely believe that's equal. We absolutely see that in Scripture. Um, but it's a healthy conversation to have and to talk about. Um, I think it's been really good. I so think, I think the next conversation we might be having eventually is maybe not necessarily children in leadership, but, you know, children in ministry and, you know, youth and teens in their roles. And, you know, because he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, you know. Yeah, in that passage, right. And then, like, even our elders, like, you know, your old men will dream dreams and, you know, and all ages and stages. And, I mean, God mm. can use who he chooses. And, and it's not for us to dictate that's what exactly right. God should right. use based no. on what we think is appropriate. Because right. yeah. honestly, God used some pretty screwed up people to do some of the greatest things in Scripture. Yeah. yeah, and I think it. I do. I realize I am a little bit, a little bit. I am pretty critical sometimes of American culture, but in American culture, we do tend to push our older people out of the way right. as soon as possible. Like mm-hmm. the minute, the minute there's some sort of like misstep or like, you know anything we we tend to be like oh well you're done we move them out of the way right uh in this in the sake of if, for the sake of chasing after something new fresh and innovative and we do got to do a better job uh, culturally of letting those people who have that wisdom and that like have invested that time in those ex- in that experience uh give them opportunities to speak to a lot of the things that we deal with have a story that I'm interested, a true story that I'm interested in your guys' perspective on. Basically, in the, I'm reading this book about the, you know, women in the early ministry, early days of Assemblies of God ministry, and I can't get the story of this one woman out of my head. I don't remember her name right now, um, but she, uh, she was an evangelist, and she, her, so, so she went out and traveled by herself under her maiden name, even though she was married. She went out and traveled by herself under her maiden name to, um, all her meetings and to evangelize um and then she actually had four children with her husband but she left her four children 
at home with her mother and then later on her husband until and it got to a point even where her husband was like I don't really want you going out anymore and she defied his orders because she's like she in her own testimony said I have to follow after God's calling and not follow what you were telling me to do and continued to go out and planted I mean I think the list is like 15 or 20 churches that she eventually you know was responsible in starting the work there through her evangelistic services um so I'm just curious as I I know like even as a female my perspective is well how in the world could you leave your children for all that time and not raise them and but that's my own ideal too like you know like like even in my sense as a woman like I, I feel I feel like I need to be there to raise my children like I don't know how I could leave them and do that but as a man, I think that same thing, though. <laughs> right. Like, I don't well, understand that. I was going to say, I feel like if it was the father who did this, it's a little it bit be less as much of an issue. Or an issue. I mean, we would still say, man, he really wasn't there or something, but I think you would feel that it's slightly more normal. Yeah, although, I mean, it would, it, in today's day and age, it would be a little bit more of an issue, I guess, because, you know, you're like, well, my husband's never home, and, you know, he's never that's, with that's his what family. I'm hearing and in my all head. That. Like, but. Yeah. But either just in the early 20s as a woman to be so compelled by the call of God to do that, um, I don't know. I just can't get the story out of my head. I yeah, I think so. My first it. initial thought when you mentioned the story is like the call of God can be real. Um, the methodology and how she operates with her family could be just her. Right. True. Right. So like God called her to do this thing. All right. Yeah. Do that thing. I don't know if he called you to like leave your family, leave your family. I don't know. I don't know that. Like, right. Like, so she may have taken, she may have been so been like, all right, I'm going to do this. Like, cause I'm going to honor the Lord and God, God may have wanted her to bring her kids with her. And who knows? He could have, he could have easily provided everything that they could have ever needed as a, as a unit moving, moving in those same spaces. So I think, and that's an interesting, that's actually an interesting thing. How many times do we, hear one thing from the Lord uh, and then oftentimes we uh, this I'll just speak about myself then I'll just make it about me because it's, it, that's easier I don't want to put negatives on anybody else but like no, there are times when I've like heard something from the Lord and I'm like all right well I'm gonna do it like this and God may have not even told me to do it that way right. I just kind of went out on a limb because I made an assumption and then it backfired I'm like oh wait but God you told me to do this like and and then I have that moment where he's like yeah I told you to do this but I didn't tell you to go about it like this or I didn't you didn't wait for me you didn't hear from me about mm -hmm. the next steps about how to do this or how right. to move and then I and then I'm humbled and I'm like ah and then there are times when I do the exact same thing and God will allow you know like allow there to be blessing even though i didn't didn't consult him fully like about this step or this step and then in hindsight i'm like ah, maybe i should have brought this before the lord you know like and right. so that thought runs through my mind when i think about that story she could have had that moment had where the she calling said, but then went went forward in her own ideas yeah, and her and own ideas of her. how to execute that yeah. and honestly how often are we obedient in certain areas and miss it in other areas right. you know what i mean and and there could have been a lot going on in that story that we don't know i mean how's her marriage to start with true you know what i mean was this hey i'm gonna run after god and do these things for him because he called me to and i'm gonna leave you guys behind because it's just easier for me you yeah. know you know like there's a lot of other details that you don't always get because we're reading them secondhand yeah. secondhand and stuff and we don't know True. them personally so but i i would say that generally speaking i mean we tend to be obedient in areas over here 
and not always, uh, uh, sorry, you can't see my hand, mm-hmm. uh, obedient in the areas that are really exciting. Yeah. Right. And not always obedient in the areas that are that are the day-to-day responsibilities. Discipline. Or, yeah, that are easier, like if maybe in this person's personality, leading church, maybe she was super charismatic, big personality, like, so it's actually easier for her to function in the call. Yeah that she feels God put on her life and more difficult to take some of like the family responsibilities where for other people, you know, being with their families, absolutely. Number one, I'm not going to leave that. So even just stepping out in faith in the call of God is so difficult. Maybe, but so for her, maybe it was the other way and not just her. Maybe you don't know what's going on in her husband's heart. Maybe he needed to be like, okay, well, let's work this out, you know, instead instead of, like, having to sit down and have a conversation trying to work it out. Maybe his idea was, like, listen, you're not doing it my way, so I'm done. You know what I mean? Like, there's, dude, when you, relationships are so messy. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I feel like there's so many details we don't know, but the two thoughts I did have was this, is, like, one, like, we're reading that book about Joseph, and, right, like, so God gave him, a vision or gave him a gift or whatever that doesn't mean joseph was always responsible with it yeah. or you know you can use it in different ways and then my other thought was this is like a lot of times i think a lot of people feel like i want to see where god wants to take me but god usually doesn't show that to you and he's just trying to get you to take that step and it's frustrating maybe because sometimes god will show you where he wants to take you and now you're not listening to the steps he has right. in front of you because you actually see what he's put in your heart that's where i'm going so i'm just going to get there yeah. and you're like not you're trying to make it happen now. yourself right? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah where when you are following god step by step it's a little more frustrating but then you look behind you and you realize oh actually this is where i came now but so maybe that's i just thought of that mm-hmm. so. cool all right Well, this has been great. A lot of fun. Um, yeah, definitely cool topic. Um, but yeah, it's cool talking about this stuff with you guys. Yeah. Hearing sure. everybody's perspective and wrestling through stuff. So, um, Any other thoughts from you guys? I don't know. Just wrap up. I can't think of a good answer. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we've, we've got, we're pretty long today. So. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, it's been fun. We'll see you next time. All right. Word. Later. Depending, depending on how loud the mics were, because most of us were...